You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. You have four minutes. That was really nice, Antley. Wow. should do this more often. So today is a super special day, special for a couple of different reasons. One, it is Aunt Lee's last day before he goes on sabbatical, so while the cat's away. <laughs> and it's Mother's Day, so you are one or you have one, so happy Mother's Day. Um, I am a mom. I'm a mom of two boys that are now 16 and 20, and when our oldest son was born, he was born with a congenital colon disease. Now, this great little friend that he came with has required more surgeries than he has fingers and toes, and long about the time he was four... There was a problem with bleeding, and so he had to go back into surgery four times in a series of eight weeks. And so at the end of this, on the fourth surgery, the doctor comes out to Kevin and I, and he says, I can't really stop the bleeding because I don't know where it's coming from. Like, awesome. That is so great. So we go back to our church that we loved. It was a very conservative church. And the pastor comes to us, and he says, "Um, we've never done this before, but what would you think about having a healing service? And so out of our mouth comes, sure, be great. And inside of our head, we're going, whatever. I don't care if it's green and it glows. You give it to me, it's going to make him better. I'm stepping on his chest, pouring it down his throat, and we are done. Moving on. So things are arranged, the pastor makes all the arrangements, it comes the day for the healing service. Kevin's getting ready in the bathroom, he's standing there shaving, and I go in, I'm leaning against the door jam, and I just look at him and I say, this is crap. There's nothing that's going to happen. The only reason that we are going today is because people have been called, and if we don't show up, it will be rude. We pack our stuff, we get in the car, we go, we get to the little chapel, Elders are sitting there. They ask us to kind of tell our little story. So we tell Tyler's story, and he's sitting on Kevin's lap, and they literally have the book. They have the Bible in front of them, and they're reading the directions. And the elders anointed him with oil, laid hands, and prayed. And so they whip out the holy oil, and they go to put his little cross on his forehead, and my very compliant child looks up and says, no oil. <laughs> like, this is great. They have no idea what they're doing. My kid has now just ticked off the church powers to be. We have broken the God rules. There is no way that anything is happening here. They do their deal. We get in the car. We go home. He has a colon disease. He has to go to the bathroom. So he goes. He bleeds more than he's ever bled before. He turns gray, passes out on the toilet. I scoop him up, lay him on the couch, and he wakes up three hours later and he never bleeds again. We were shocked. Shocked. I was shocked. And the truth is, most of the world is shocked when Jesus does anything of relevance. We're going to look at a passage today in Acts about Jesus showing up in a time when it mattered. Acts is in the New Testament, and one of the purposes for the New Testament, it was written to be a guide for the church as it pursued the course of spreading the gospel. So in the course of history, where we are in this, is Jesus has been born, he's died, 
been crucified, he's risen from the dead, he's ascended back into heaven to be with the Father, and the Holy Spirit has come just as he has promised. The apostles are carrying the message of Jesus to the church, and it says the disciples are increasing in number. Well, they've increased in number to the point that the church has gotten so big that they can't really take care of all of the people. And so the apostles have appointed seven men to care for the people so that they can devote time to, to the word and to praying. People are getting a little grouchy because the widows and the poor were being neglected and they weren't being taken care of. So they prayed and they laid hands on them. And Philip, who we're going to read about in the passage, is one of those seven. It's from Acts chapter 8. It's 26 to 39. It's a little bit long, so bear with us. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He'd come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seating in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran, and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this, about himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And they were going along the road, and they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. So we'll start with the eunuch. Eunuchs are castrated men that are servants, usually to royalty. This one was the guard of Queen Candace's treasure. Eunuchs are pretty much the bottom of the food chain. Their voice does not matter. What matters for us is looking at him. He has just come 1,600 miles from Ethiopia to Jerusalem in a chariot. He's going about 15 miles an hour. He's just spent over 100 hours to get to some place to worship God. He's now on his way back. He's reading about Jesus. He doesn't even know who he's reading about. This guy is serious about finding God. Whoever we are, if we are at the top of the social scale with queens and royalty, or if we're at the bottom of the food chain with the eunuch, if we are serious about finding God, he is going to find us. More often than not, we need somebody to help us. We need a guide. Every one of us that's sitting in this room that knows Jesus, you know him because somebody told you about him. You had a guide. Philip was the eunuch's guide. So he's been chosen by the apostles by three criteria. The first was of good repute. He had a good reputation. He lived an honorable life. 
People thought highly of him. When he's walking down the road, you're not turning and running the opposite direction. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit because he knew Jesus. He was a follower of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit had come to take up residence in him. And he was full of wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge that has been revealed as truth by the Holy Spirit. Knowledge comes from a result of discipline. It was consistent time that spent with the Father in prayer, in scripture, and just knowing his character, learning who he is. In Psalm 90:12, it says, So teach us that we may have a heart of wisdom. Antley said last week, one of the things we don't do often at RCC is pull the discipline card. But what qualified Philip to be a guide was both discipline and the Holy Spirit. RCC, we say, is a bridge church. And on each side of that bridge, there are places of extreme. And so in the extreme, some of us have come from super fundamental backgrounds where we've done lots of Bible study. We've memorized scripture, and there's been Bible study and Bible study and Bible study. And we've served in multiple areas for long periods of time and have spent lots of time every week in that. And in some ways, that can come to feel like there's this obligation of if I don't do this, then maybe I'm not really the good Christian. I've got to tick off all of these marks on the list for me to be a good Christian. And on the other side of that bridge, on an extreme, there's people that are super, super strong in the Holy Spirit. And for some folks, that can look a little bit like Holy Spirit flower child, where you're just going where the wind blows. And you hear everything from the Holy Spirit. You hear all kinds of things. And that's awesome, except that we're not Jesus. And we may not hear everything as perfectly as Jesus did. So we have to have knowledge. We have to have wisdom that comes from the scripture so we can take what we hear and line that up side by side because the Holy Spirit's never going to tell us anything that contradicts what God says in his word. Philip had both. So first we see an angel. So the angel visits Philip. He tells him exactly where to go. He does it. When he gets there, the Holy Spirit tells him to go join the chariot. He does it. The eunuch invites him to ride with him. He does it. Philip has heard the Holy Spirit speak to him, and he's willing to follow his leading. He follows him to the point of being uncomfortable. He's on a desert road in the hottest part of the day, and he's running. Men don't run in this culture. He's willing to follow him to the point of being with a different people group. Philip is a Jew, and here's an Ethiopian eunuch. They don't really hang out together. And then Philip explains the scripture. So he has to start with the Old Testament prophecy that he's reading and then bring it to current 
has to take the application from here and then come and explain to the fulfillment of the life, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus through the importance of baptism. We know this because in the scripture it says nothing about baptism. But the eunuch says, hey, there's some water. What's to stop me from being baptized? They pull off. He does it. Philip baptizes the eunuch. That's wisdom. And it doesn't come from being a one-hit wonder in the Bible. It comes from spending consistent time in Scripture. He's able to be obedient to the Holy Spirit because he's full of the Holy Spirit. And he's disciplined. God didn't put him in a situation where he was going to fail. God equips those he calls. He's going to give us what we need to do what he's asking us to do. So if this is really true, then why do we miss it? Disciples are called to disciple. So as we have been guided to Jesus, we are called to then be guides. But if all of that's there, if Jesus is going to give us what we need, why is it so hard for us to just step beyond ourselves and become this guide that he's asking us to be? We can learn three things from Philip in this passage. The first point we can see, people want to be famous. They want to stand on the big stage. Philip could have balked at this call to the desert road. Certain he was made for the bigger crowd. Because before we meet him with the eunuch, he's been in Samaria. This is what it says. Philip went to the city of Samaria, proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip. As they heard and saw the signs which he was performing, for in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. Philip has been preaching to the crowds. He's casting out demons. He's performing miracles. People are cheering for him. And that's what most people want. They want to be the apostle, teaching and preaching to the big crowd. We want to stand on the big stage. We want to do jaw-dropping miracles that are going to have big impact. But the reality is, for most of us, that's not going to happen. We're going to be called to the one. We're going to be called to the one that may look really different from us. That may cause us to feel a little uncomfortable, and it might be embarrassing. One of the second lessons that we can learn from Philip is we may be waiting for a sign. We pray, God, send us a sign. Just send us a sign. We want to really know an angel. Send an angel. A message in our email box. Be awesome. I have to be honest. I would love to walk down my stairs in the morning and have an angel sitting in my living room chair. I'd like to go to my office and have one sitting right there every day. Chances are good it's not going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. The angel only got Philip to the place. The Holy Spirit 
is what led him to the person. The Spirit stayed with Philip while he was with the eunuch. He was his guide. It was his voice that guided him to the eunuch. We can miss our chance of being the guide that God is calling us to be if we are waiting for the sign. The third one, and the most important lesson that I think that we can learn from this. Why do we miss our moments to be a guide? Because we think we're not qualified. We think that we're disqualified to do this, to be a guide. One of the unwritten values of RCC is everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to play because the same Holy Spirit that leads Antley and speaks to him speaks to me, speaks to you, speaks to the kids and youth, speaks to the children and kids crew. It's the same Holy Spirit who's talking to all of us, who's leading all of us and guiding all of us. The Holy Spirit is the one that leads us. Everybody gets to play. We get to be a guide. As a mother, I'm called to guide my children. Now, just like all of you, I love my children. Actually, I think I probably love my children more than you love your children. I adore them. Said that I may go to extremes sometimes in caring for them. And it's a way that my children, my husband, I know they're going to repay me one day for how loved they feel. They're going to write this book. And this book is going to be titled Ice, Advil, and Gatorade. And because you know how much I love my children, what you think this book is about is what a great nurse I am in their moments of poor health. And it's going to go something like this when you open the page. LB, he's going to get his chapter first. He's the youngest. He should go first. It's going to start like this. I'm at the park. My mom is sitting on the bench talking to her friend. And I jump off the little jumpy thing, and I jump and jump and jump, and then pretty soon my foot hurts really bad. And I go over to my mom, and I'm crying and crying, and she's like, oh, good, good, that's fine, that's fine. Enough. Go, play. We'll put some ice on it when we get home. Wolfson, ER. Two hours later, broken. <laughs> Next chapter will be Tyler's chapter. He was the first, had him a little longer. His chapter will be thicker. His chapter may start. Seventh grade, football practice, comes home. Mom, my elbow hurts. Really? Take a couple of Advil, put some ice on it, it'll be fine. Two hours later. Mom, my elbow really hurts. I really can't straighten my arm. You only took two Advil. You need four and put some more ice on it. It's worn off. Wolfson, ER, two hours later. Broken. Tyler, eighth grade, at his basketball game. Mom, I'm not sure if I can play in this game. Seriously, you're part of the team. Mom, my knee really hurts. Did you put ice on it? Have you taken some Advil? Here, I have some in my purse. Take more. Make sure you put ice on it at the end of the game. I really don't know if I can do this. For goodness sakes, would you go? You have a team. You're responsible. Go. Stan Longnecker's office. Following week. Surgery. Shredded meniscus. 
And then my really great moment. It's my wife moment. Hey, my stomach kind of hurts. I kind of don't feel good. Really? I think you're fine. I have to go to school now. I have a field trip today. No, it doesn't feel good. I have to go. I'm on the field trip. My phone is ringing on the field trip. Amy, I really don't feel good. This really hurts. I'm in pain. Seriously. I'm on a school bus. It's not like I can leave. If it hurts that bad, go to the doctor. How long has it been since you've gone to the bathroom? I think you're constipated. Go get some Gatorade. Drink two gallons of Gatorade. You will be fine. Baptist, following night, kidney stones. Does this disqualify me from being a mom? No. Definitely disqualifies me from being a nurse. <laughs> but not a mom. Jesus has given me this family. I am called to be my children's guide. Does it mean I'm perfect? No. It means that I'm probably going to royally screw some things up. But when I blow it, Jesus is there to fill my gaps, to take care of my family, and to do the things that I cannot do perfectly. Our world is full of broken people. And Jesus' plan is to redeem this world, to bring us to his father, to bring the broken people of this world to his father. And his plan is to use us to do it. And if we are truly disqualified, and if he can't fill our gaps and make up the difference, then his plan is an epic fail. He qualifies who he calls. Jesus doesn't want any of us missing a moment to become the guide that he's called us to be. He doesn't want us hanging around waiting for the big stage. He doesn't want us hanging around waiting for an angel to show up in our living room. And he doesn't want us sitting there listing off why and how we are disqualified. The Holy Spirit will be our guide. And he'll probably guide us to the one. And he'll fill our gaps. Philip was qualified because he was disciplined that resulted in being full of wisdom and he was full of the Holy Spirit. What's important for us to remember is scripture doesn't say that Philip was balanced. It said he had both. And for us, probably not going to be balanced. We're going to be stronger in one area than we are in the other area. And that's okay. What it means is then we have to be intentional about knowing what that area is, that we pursue growth in that place, that we surround ourselves with people that are different from us. That's what makes for great families. That's what makes for great friendships. You're surrounded by people that fill your gaps, that fill you out. That's what makes RCC a great family, is that we are all different from each other. We balance each other out. For some of you, discipline is hard. Last week, Antley gave us some websites and some apps that we can put on our phone. 
to help our 109-day challenge, or RCC, of being disciplined. For others, it's the Holy Spirit that's a stretch. I land there, believing Jesus is really going to show up when it matters, that he's going to walk with me with the big things, sit with me in the little things, and just be there. That's part of my journey with the Holy Spirit. So for me, it gets super simple and very, very practical. I want to tell you a story about how this kind of comes about with me. So in December, um, December is busy. It's busy for everybody. It's kind of high season in church world. I kind of say it's like 4th of July on Cape Cod. December's busy. And so I'm a planner. I have things all kind of, you know, planned out. The whole proper prior planning prevents poor performance. And I've got my list going. And I am sure that I have got everything worked out. And it literally starts unraveling at the seams. Everything that I think I've gotten all planned out, it's just coming apart, absolutely falling apart. And so what I do, I go to the beach. One of my dear friends who knows that feels like my world's calling, falling apart calls me on my phone and it's just like, I can't, even, I can't even talk to you. I can't even talk to you right now. I'm so angry. I'm just going for a walk with Jesus. I am filled with doubt. I am certain that I'm going to be so embarrassed when all of this shakes down. And it's just, this is not going to work for me. So as I'm walking, my prayer becomes very simple. Of God, what are you doing? Show me who you are. Where, where are you? What is happening here? And so as I'm walking along on the beach, I see this like perfect horseshoe crab shell and think, that is so cool. I've never seen one of those before. So I walk along a little farther and sure enough, there's another one. It's like, I love this. Never seen one before, and now I saw two today. I thought, hmm, I wonder if Jesus is trying to talk to me. I was like, okay, if this is you, these horseshoe crabs have anything to do with you, if you'd send a third one, that would be great, because then I'd know it was three. You know, there's three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, so three horseshoe crabs. This would work out good in my little planned-out deal. Sure enough, about 30 yards later, there is the third perfect horseshoe crab shell. Thought, okay, back to my chair, pull out my phone, ask Google, horseshoe crabs. So this is what I learned about horseshoe crabs. Horseshoe crabs have evolved little in the last 250 million years. Unchanging. They have survived because of their hard, curved shells, which have made it difficult for predators to overturn them and expose their soft, vulnerable underbellies. Protection. The medical profession uses an extract from the horseshoe crab's blue copper-based blood to test the purity of medicines. Pure. Holy. Certain properties of the shell have also been used to speed blood clotting and to make absorbable sutures. Stops the bleeding. Brings healing. 
Jesus met me that day on the beach. And my frustration and in my doubt, and instead of leaving me to be embarrassed and feel disqualified, he walked with me. And he gave me confidence in his character by reminding me who he is. What is beautiful about that day? It isn't that my circumstances changed, because they didn't. What is beautiful about that day is he held me up in the midst of it. My day became about him coming to me. He showed me who he is and how he loves me and said, Amy, I am unchanging protection. I am pure. I am holy. I will stop this bleeding. I will help you. I will make it better. I bring healing. God was teaching me how to hear his voice that day in a very quiet, slight prompt. So how do I know it's Jesus and not three random seashells on the beach? Because something changed. In my heart, it changed. It felt different. I was different. I felt closer to Jesus. We live in a world that is full of people that are bleeding. They're in pain, and they need healing. They need Jesus. Jesus showed up in Philip, running down a desert road to the guy who was at the bottom of the food chain. Every one of us that's in this room, we know Jesus. We know him because we had a guide. Someone brought Jesus to us. Jesus stopped the bleeding in my four-year-old little boy. And he is calling us to be the people to stop the bleeding and bring healing to a broken world. Let's stand.